Powered by MPB, this is Chalkboard Chat, an MPB education podcast. Hosted by Jermaine Flood and Tara Wren. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB public media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. I sat down with school counselors from across the state of Mississippi to chat about their passion for counseling, the current state of the profession in response to COVID-19, and the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in counseling students. With over 100-plus years of shared education experience between them, these school counselors are more than deserving for recognition. Hello, my name is Lori Taylor. I am the school counselor at Hills Chapel School in the Prentice County School District, Boonville, Mississippi. Hi, my name is Deanna Rush, and I am the high school counselor at Union High School in Union, Mississippi. Hi, this is Crystal Brewer. I am the school counselor at Simpson Central School in the Simpson County School District in Pinola, Mississippi. Hi, I'm Maria Fields, school counselor, Wolf Oak Middle School, Yazoo City, Mississippi. Hi, I'm Tabitha Kinney, school counselor for Jackson Public Schools. I also sat down with married counseling couple Dion Harrington and Crystal Carter Harrington with North Panola High School in Sardis, Mississippi. And I'm Jermaine Flood. This is Chalkboard Chat. Class is now in session. I sat down with each counselor to discuss what led them to pursue a career in counseling. Uh, well, Hills Chapel is uh, in located close to my home, so it's a community school. Uh, I'm very vested in our community. My children both uh, went to, through this school. Um, and then I, I always wanted to be a teacher from eighth grade. I wanted to be a teacher. And then it just evolved to uh, seeing needs of students and wanting to try to meet that those needs in a different way from the classroom, and that's what led me to pursue school counseling. Okay, well, I have a total of 21 years in education, and I started as a high school English teacher and could just really um, see a need with my students for an advocate, um, just someone who could be a go-between between the, the students and the teachers, their students and uh, club sponsors, students in the community, and sometimes even students and their families. And I, I, it was difficult to do that um, while being their English teacher because I needed to make sure that they met those English standards and they were prepared for the ACT and they were prepared for a variety of uh, expectations on the English curriculum. And so I really didn't have a lot of time to help them with um, the other things that I saw a need for. So that led me to go back to school and get my counseling degree. And so I did that, um, and I've been doing that um, for eight years. Now, I also have an administration degree, and so I did, a, I did some administration for a little while, but I've come back to counseling uh, because that's just where, uh, where I feel like I'm called to be. That's where um, my passion is, and it's where I feel like I can do the most good for the most students. I always loved children. I knew I wanted to work with children. I knew I was very interested in mental health and psychology and social-emotional well-being. And so when I went to college, I got my undergrad in psychology, and then I had begun my master's degree in, um, like, clinical mental health counseling. And then as I began to do practicums and internships to kind of really figure out what I wanted to do, I really wasn't finding anything that I just felt like fit and, and kind of spoke to me professionally. And so I decided to give school counseling a try. 
and I went and did an internship with Miss Gwen Hitt at Collins Middle School, and it just clicked. I knew that this was what I wanted to do. I fell in love with school counseling and all the possibilities of what a school counselor could do for children. Um, actually, I just fell on it. Um, it was just in my blood to help others feel comfortable talking to me. So I had to pick something after my bachelor's. And I just decided, you know what, let's give school counseling a shot. At first, it was supposed to be mental health, which I did that for like eight years. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and try school counseling. And I love the children. You know, I can just say that as far back as I can remember, I've always been a helper. Even when I was a child, I wanted to help. I was always helping people. And um, and I knew, you know, I didn't have a name for it. However, I realized early on that I wanted to do something that involved helping people. And so fast forward a few years and um, it has just manifested into a career in counseling. Uh, initially in, in college, uh, I was interested in counseling and um, my wife, she was, she was teaching. She was telling me all about teaching. You should go into education. You should go into education. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to teach, <laughs> but I had a passion for, for talking to people. And I, I have that kind of personality where people kind of open up to me. And uh, when we graduated, my wife was just telling me, she was saying, uh, this was prior to us getting married. She said, I think you should uh, consider getting into education. And so I uh, dibbled and dabbled into a few things. I was a juvenile counselor at first for this area, for Panola County. Then I kind of transitioned into um, into career counseling. It was an opening at, at um, in this school district. And she, she told me, she said, I think it'll be a good fit. So I went on and got my master's in guidance and counseling uh, from Alcorn State University. And um, I've been doing it ever since. Well, as far as teaching, I have a long line of educators. So it was instilled in me, I guess, when I was four years old, I would play teacher at home <laughs> with my cousin. So uh, <laughs> I knew early on that I wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a teacher for four years be before becoming a counselor. I was trained how to teach students and reach them on the academic level, but I really wanted to learn how to reach them on a social and emotional level. And so I pursued a master's and I graduated from Alcorn State with a master's in guidance and counseling. Maria Fields and Crystal Brewer gave me their take on qualities that they deemed as important to possess as a school counselor. You have to be able to build rapport. If you cannot reach those children, you can just give it up. I think to be an effective counselor, you one have to be really in tune with people's emotions and be able to empathize. Um, you have to be a compassionate person because you're going to be dealing with a lot of hard, uh, difficult, unpredictable situations that our students face each and every day. So um, you have to really have a love for the children. Um, on top of that, you have to be really flexible because this job is different every single day. Um, it is really important that you are somebody who focuses on relationships because at the end of the day, kids know if you love them and if you are genuine and real. And so if you aren't going to do that and prioritize them, 
you're never going to be able to make the connections that's really going to allow you to have that impact um, that you need to have as a school counselor. So I think that that is very important. I also think you just need to be a person of integrity because there are a lot of hard calls that have to be made in the role of a school counselor. And so being that person of character, that person with integrity is really valuable uh, in this role. I also sat down with Lori Taylor and she discussed what role professional development plays in becoming a great counselor. Um, The professional development that uh, I can uh, attest to have helped me a lot are more of uh, hands-on type activities where I'm actually involved with the students in the classroom, in the situations that they're facing. So I'm able to see a little bit more from their eyes, their perspective, and, and try to incorporate meeting their needs and having a a school-wide curriculum that is centered on our students and then the unique needs of our community. I asked Tabitha Kinney and Dion Harrington to tell me a story about a student that they've counseled who has had issues during the pandemic and what exactly they did to address that issue. I know when the pandemic originally started um, back in the spring, you know, we were all kind of caught off guard. And so I reached out to my students, I gave them my personal cell phone and asked them, you know, to call me if they needed me. I was there for them, and they really did. And um, I had one particular student, um, before I got off the phone, she wanted, are you sure you're going to call me now? Are you going to call me? And I said, I'm going to call you. And got busy the next day and forgot to call. But later that evening, I called her, and even though it was, after hours, I called her just to tell her that I hadn't forgot about, had not forgotten about her. And she really, you could tell she had been crying. She just says the living uh, situation that she was in did not allow her to get outside uh, because I had advised her to kind of get outside, get fresh air, try to clear your mind. And she wasn't able to do that. And so we just kind of came up with some things she could do um, while she's in quarantine and not able to be around people. And so um, she called me quite often just to thank me and tell me, you know, she, you know, practiced some of those uh, suggestions and that um, she felt like she was going to make it because she didn't feel like she would make it uh, in the environment that she was in at the time. I thought about something from like a few weeks ago, like one of my students, uh, she's a senior. She was just telling me, she reached out and said, Mr. Hands, and I just, I've lost motivation. I just feel like I, I just don't even care about school anymore. And it's like, I told her, I said, don't ever feel that way because you have people here that are the, that are supporting you and that are trying to encourage you and tell you, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing because you're almost there. Because once, once these few months uh, pass, you're in college. You don't have to worry about um, the 12th grade year anymore, 2020, 2021. Look at the bright side. You look at the bright side. <laughs> Even though it's different, it, it's it's not just different for you. It's different for the world. She said, thank you so much for that encouragement. And, you know, she reached out to a few more teachers and 
uh, they can't, she kind of put us all into a, a, a group email and everyone was kind of pushing us. I, I'm telling you, you can do it. Please don't give up. Please come up here anytime. Just wear your mask. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is said that students benefit when the student population is reflected in their educators. But demographics sometimes differ between the students, teachers and counselors in the same school or even school district. I sat down with Lori Taylor and Deanna Rush, and they expressed to me how they address this issue to ensure that no student feels left behind. I feel like that goes back to an earlier statement that I made about trying to um, see from their eyes, their perspective, um, and realizing that, you know, the, the statistics that we actually, unfortunately, are faced with is that um, primarily uh, they're counselors are white females and that is not reflective of our student body and so we have to try to empower them with their own voice and you know um, advocate actually for them taking uh, an active role in their education what they need well that is very true and it's it's true in our school district as well um, the the staff ratio is not equal to the student ratio um, in in race and socioeconomic status. But the one thing that we um, try to do is to make sure that you know when a student comes into my office, I I hope that 100% of my kids can tell you that I don't see I don't see their socioeconomic status. I don't see their race. You know I hope that they all can and I feel like they all would tell you that when they come in, they know that I'm going to help student A just as quickly as I'm going to help student B and that they all are supported. And um, But you have to work to do that. You have to work to earn students' trust. Um, that Again, that's where your door always has to be open and you can't ever put paperwork ahead of them. You can't ever not be there because, and you have to be there in the little things because when you're there for them in the little things, then they know they can trust you with the big things and they know that you've got their back no matter, um, you know, what's going on just to help them feel supported, um, be a listening ear, make sure that they all know they're welcome, they're all loved regardless of any differences that we have. And the other thing is that they all have equal access to opportunities, you know, um, FAFSA for so many of our kids, it's their you know, they're the first generation who's gone to college. Um, everybody needs to understand that, uh, what, how important that is. Everybody needs to have an extra help when they're doing um, their college application. So that's why we do college application days and, you know, and that kind of thing. And so I want to make sure that all, 100% of the kids have those opportunities. They all have equal access um, so that nobody has an unfair advantage just because you come from a different home than another student. Crystal Carter Harrington, Crystal Brewer, and Maria Fields all told me what their greatest accomplishment is so far as a school counselor. My job as the CTE counselor is to expose the students to um, careers in college and the military, like I mentioned before. So I attended many workshops where people were talking about the internships that they were providing for their students and they were doing this and doing that, industries were coming in. You know, we're a small school. Uh, I work at North Panola, North Panola School District, and we also have South Panola in our county too. So we, we don't really get, um, I guess, participation, as much participation as the other school gets. So um, I started reaching out to our local industry um, colleges, the branches of the military saying, hey, you know, come see my students, come and see them, you know, give them the same opportunity. And so in 2015, uh, we hosted a career fair where we had 
all of the branches of the military, local industry, industry from out of state, um, four-year colleges, career and technical colleges, community colleges, mm-hmm. started out with about 20 vendors or, you know, participants. Yeah. And uh, it grew into over 60 vendors. We had representatives from everywhere <laughs> yeah. here at North Panola High School in the gymnasium. Mm-hmm. So the students were like, oh, wow. You know, I mean, we introduced them to careers like being alignment, you know, and we're always preaching college. When mm-hmm. I say we're, you know, the academic side, the yeah. high school, but College does not determine success. So um, anyway, long story short, annual career fair turned into a countywide event last year. Mm-hmm. So it was called Panola Made and uh, our local workforce, the economic development office, yeah. they stood behind us and we made it a countywide event where all of the high schools in the mm-hmm. county um, were able to go into the civic center. We have a civic center in Batesville yeah. and it was a big event. I mean, yeah. everyone was there, well represented. The students were, I mean, they behaved really well. They learned so much and um, they made connections right. to get jobs after high schools. Um, I One of my favorite um, things is, you know, as a school counselor, I'm also a mom to three children. My middle baby um, was diagnosed with dyslexia when she was a second grader. And um, Not long after that, we had a student who was here, and she was in third grade at that time. She's a twin, um, and she was really, really struggling. And through my experience of the process of my daughter being diagnosed with dyslexia, I came to kind of see some of the warning signs in this child. Um, And as we were approaching the end of that school year, she had... She had been tested and diagnosed. We had gone through that whole process. Um, But, you know, based on the policies of our school district, she should have been retained and her twin sister would have been promoted based on grades alone. Um, And so I really kind of took that to heart because I imagined what that would be like if that was my daughter in that situation. And um, I spent a lot of time advocating and working with our principal and with our district personnel um, and we kind of came to the agreement that she would continue dyslexia therapy through that um, summer. And then we would reassess her before the school year started. And after she got what she needed uh, through that summer, she was able to come back and be retested and promote onto the fourth grade. But if that were just strictly based on the district's policy at the time, that would not have been you know, able for her to do that. Um, And so I I always kind of go back to that situation and to that young lady because I think that as school counselors in particular, we um, need to look at the whole child, not just academics, not just we're getting them ready for college and career, but the social emotional piece as well. And we need to advocate for what is best for that individual child. Sometimes our policies, our procedures, you know, the things that we have written down on paper, that's not what's the best thing for that kid. And as school counselors, um, I think that we should always be looking at the child as a whole and all their needs, and then we need to advocate for what's the best thing for that individual child. My greatest accomplishment by far is um, having all the kids refer to me as auntie. Um, I'm everyone's auntie at this school, and that that makes me feel like we have created a family atmosphere here at Wolf Oak Middle School, and that's what the goal is. 
be able to go and talk to your auntie, let her know what's going on, and see if we can try to get through those little kinks that we have. And my kids all come to me, and you, and I promise you, if you were to walk in my school today, they say, "Oh, that's TT." <laughs> and so that's my greatest accomplishment right now. National School Counseling Week 2021 was February the 1st through the 5th, and it focused on bringing public attention to the unique contribution of school counselors within the U.S. school systems. I spoke with Tabitha Kinney and Crystal Brewer, and they told me how much they enjoyed the celebration that week. Oh, fun uh, is an understatement. Jackson Public Schools rolled out the red carpet virtually, and we had a ball. It was great. I always, it's one of my favorite uh, weeks of the year uh, because we get to highlight what school counselors do. And I think that's so important because not many careers have kind of evolved over time the way school counseling has. And so it's really important for us to educate, to advocate, help people kind of understand what the modern day school counselor is all about. And so it was a great week, and I really got to show some appreciation for the people who support the school counseling program and put out some good information. And I got to take part in some great events that were going on to celebrate the school counselor of the year for the nation. So it was a good week. Chalkboard Chat would like to thank all the school counselors featured in this episode for their dedication to the profession. If you or someone you know would like to be featured on Chalkboard Chat, visit us at chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org for more information. Class is now dismissed. You've been listening to Chalkboard Chat, an MPB education podcast. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org or download the MPB public media app to listen on your iPhone or Android device. This podcast is hosted with love by ACAST.